good to see you. It's always good to see you. I can't think of a time when it wasn't good to see my friend Daniel and Hart. That's so nice. <laughs> and I would say likewise. I would say likewise. Oh, I'm sure there's been a time I've walked in uh, there and you're like, I don't want to see like, you. Oh my gosh, why is he still I here? I want to see you. Why are you, why are you here in the same room as me? Dan, we've been exploring a lot yep. over the last year. How long have we been doing the podcast? Uh, since January 1 of 2019. Wow. Year and a half, mm-hmm. which is a, a long time. We are mm-hmm. over 50 episodes now. I think this is like 56. I don't know. It's somewhere in the 50s. It's in the 50s. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've really kind of been talking about frameworks and cultures and crafts mm-hmm. and postures and disciplines and structures and learning. And we've covered a lot, a lot of ground. Mm-hmm. You know what we haven't talked too much about? What's that? Technology. Yeah, I think you're right. And we've so I, talked about the processes, yeah. the skills yeah. that leads to the technology. Right. But really, what do we do, George? What do we, we do here, Karma? Y- you and I, about 10, almost 11 years ago. Is it 11? It is 11. It'll be 11 this September. So yeah. September, right. Got to remember mm-hmm. that. Almost 11 years ago, we, we started a Crema where we design and build software for companies and people. Mm-hmm. And that's the majority of what we do on a daily basis. We love the that's people right. side of it. Um, mm-hmm. But there, there's, a, there's this big question of why build tech? Mm-hmm. Why do it? Right. And um, one of our... Um, individuals on our growth team recently wrote an incredible blog post and Mm -hmm. it's turning into a series um, covering this idea of digital generosity. What a, when I first heard that, I'm like, that is a very interesting Mm time. It's intriguing. It's catching. It's like, I'm also a little bit like, I don't know what is meant by that. What what do you say? All your words saying there. Yeah. And I think it points in general, it points to the idea that whatever work you engage in, in our case, software development, mm-hmm. some um, designing, building, improving people's lives through the digital medium. Uh, it's for others. It's not for ourselves. Of right. course, you want to take pride in your work and you want to be really good at it. But then you ask the question, well, who's it for and why are we doing it? And so I think that's where that word generosity comes from is that whatever we do, whatever we build, whatever we um, create for either ourselves or for our clients. It's an act of generosity towards others. And there's multiple others that are involved with that. Yeah. There's customers. So the external individuals that we're working with on a day in, day in, day basis, day in, day in, <laughs> day in, day, day, in, day out. Day out. <laughs> we're, we're just <laughs> only right. in the days. We, That's right. we live day very in, in the present. Day the present. in, meaning we're there <laughs> all the time. There's no oh, longer a day out. <laughs> too much Zoom calls today. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Uh, there's also, um, your internal staff. So the people, your team that you work with, um, on a day in day out basis. And then you also have the world. So the idea that the products you are building are not just, they're built by us. So internally they are built for our clients, but they're ultimately built for the customers of our clients and what those products are going to do for them. So there's this, uh, this kind of three, not three phase, but kind of like almost uh, just a triangle of generosity geared towards different people. Yeah. And I think that what's great about what we get to do, I think, 
And I think this is mm-hmm. the point of her per- first post was that by, by creating technology, mm-hmm. let's focus first inward. Mm-hmm. If we're building technology that is primarily being used by people in-house, so whether that's a product management solution or a sales enablement solution or a HR management or something like that, helping people to communicate better, to work better, to maybe work more efficiently, um, to reduce waste of time and waste of effort. Mm-hmm. Um, what you're doing, and I think her point is, is that you're actually by giving them a piece of software like this, mm-hmm. it's an act of generosity to free up their ability to be creative, to um, maybe be enabled to do more. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just efficiency for the sake of like squeezing more out of someone, mm-hmm. but actually giving them the tools to do their best work possible. Right. And I think right. that's what's really satisfying about a lot mm-hmm. of the solutions that we get to build specifically because we mostly build business software mm-hmm. um, that there is truly a return on investment. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it, it figures out a way to either reduce your cost or make you more money, but also there's a flourishing of the person that's using it or that is affected by the use of it. Right. Uh, and that's a generous act for someone to decide to invest their resources, time, money, effort into building software that would do that right. for a team yeah. or for a person. Yeah, there was a theme that came out of this post and probably um, the other subsequent posts around that internal software that's built well is like one is like the best manager or coach you've ever had. This yeah, idea that yeah. it's supposed to support you, free you, even challenge you to become better, um, to really stretch and maybe go into a different direction uh, yeah. from the skill set development it's not supposed to be a micromanager. It's not supposed to order your tasks for you. Mm -hmm. It's not supposed to do the work for you though. It it, it can, um, it's really meant to kind of free you so that you can turn over maybe tasks that you don't really need to think about anymore so that you're free to engage in professional development. And we've recently been involved, um, and just a real life, um, example with us is uh, building um, some software for a client where it was going to, it was not necessarily a revenue generator, but it was going to be a cost saver for them. And a lot, yeah, huge cost saver in that the tasks that the software was going to handle that may basically take off the plate of the humans that were doing the tasks. Mm -hmm. They were the repetitive ones that weren't stretching the stretching the mind, stretching the, the talent, the skill of the individuals doing them. Yeah. And so I think the, it's interesting though, when individuals hear that, they're like, oh, great, I'm obsolete. Maybe software is going to take away my job. And I get that. And, and again, and it does happen. And that's all, that is a conversation the industry has I mean, oh, yeah. about is technology removing humans, right? Right. However, if you flip the perspective a little bit to, well, what the software or technology, just tech in general, what it's replacing are the tasks maybe that are prohibiting you from developing a new skill set that's needed for you to work in the next economy, uh, whatever that may be from an Mm -hmm. innovation standpoint. Mm -hmm. And so that software is almost a gift to you to move into an area to stretch your skill set to refine your skill set, to move in an area where you're constantly growing as a, as an employee, moving in different areas that you're going to have to move into one way or the other, because 
of just the change in technology and the change that technology is being used. It's, a, it's about being adaptive and right. being resilient. Right. Um, I think it was Amazon that quoted that they're going to spend or invest over $700 million in upskilling, mm -hmm. what, 100,000 people, I think, by 2025. Right. And this idea of upskilling people is that sometimes there's this, in modern work, and maybe it's just that I, I, I have never known anything different, this idea that, um, that you may do the same repetitive task for 30 years. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not, I, I want to be respectful here because it, it, that's the way things were done for such a long time is mm -hmm. that you, you, I mean, even our, the generations right behind us or right ahead of us, I guess, um, they would have a job for 20, 30 years that they may within a spectrum of skill development and change of, of what they did over time, relatively speaking, they may have been do doing the same thing for, mm -hmm. you know, decades. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I would, I would wager to say that's almost impossible. It's going to be more and more impossible um, mm -hmm. as, as humanity moves forward. Yep. As, work, as work in general moves forward, you're going to have to, and this goes back to our theme of adaptation, mm -hmm. you're going to have to be willing to reskill, to adapt, mm -hmm. to grow, to learn, to constantly improve. Yep. Um, and as organizations buy tools, build tools, use technology to help their employees, they're going to kind of create a space where Hopefully what they do is not say, okay, now it's cut loose all our lost it, you know, all this waste and instead say, how can we repurpose the creativity of what humans mm -hmm. are best at, mm -hmm. which is actually making new ideas, come up with right. coming up with new ways to do things and yeah. seeing new opportunities. Organizations know this, this isn't brand new information. And we even have, it's a really good article. Um, I need to, to read all of it, but it, um, it's called beyond reskilling. Reskilling, beyond reskilling, investing in resilience for uncertain futures. It's from uh, Deloitte, and yeah. they have a really yeah. amazing call out that says it uh, basically this type of system that invests not just in workers' near-term skill needs, but also in workers' long-term resilience. This can help build long-term organizational resilience in a world where the only constant is change. And they have some amazing statistics in here that's, I mean, 74% of organizations say that reskilling the workforce is important or mm -hmm. very important for their success over the next 12 to 18 months, but only 10% say they're very ready to address oh, wow. this trend. And so that's the idea that yes, it's incredibly important, but we're almost, we're behind, we're behind, we're behind in the game in order to get our workforce there. And so for 74% of these organizations, and again, I don't know if they're the I don't know, Fortune 5000 or what, what they are, but the idea that 70, I mean, three quarters of them say that it's important yeah. is, should be a key that, um, or should be something that we pay attention to no when question. it comes to this idea of, again, what we're calling, or this idea of di digital generosity to your internal staff that developing software for your folks that can remove some of those mundane aspects so that they can... And it's really good for your organization too, because it stretches their minds into what's important for your organization in the future. That's it. Yep. I mean, I mean, take our uh, context right now. I mean, I'm sure a lot of organizations are smack dab in the middle of planning for 2021. I mean, we are, we're thinking yeah, what's we, important. And it, and it changed compared to where it was three months oh ago. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like the plans we thought, well, 2021 will probably look like this has been like, whoop, 
out the door yeah. and we're having to, again, change and adapt because of what's going on in the world right now. If we're asking the questions, okay, what's important to us? The next question is, well, who's going to be able to do it? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, well, this person can do it. Well, okay, well, how do we get them moved over? They're currently right, because doing this job. They're probably right? full with other things. Exactly. So either how do we, how do we replace them? How do we um, create efficiencies in mm -hmm. the other work that they're doing? And we're, right. I mean, we're, we're tech nerds, right? I mean, we're product right. nerds. We use SaaS. Know, we've written blog posts about the 30, 38, you know, <laughs> SaaS tools that we use to right. run our organization. But it's because of using those tools that I think we're also one of the most creative, innovative companies mm -hmm. around, right? Mm -hmm. It's because it, it frees us up to go, oh, how do we think different, differently? How do we reskill right. ourselves? How do we think about now the potential is wide open of what we could work on in 2021, right. 2022. Um, that's exciting. Um, yeah. But it's a different way of thinking. And mm -hmm. One that if you were, I don't want to say part of the old guard, but if you were part of like sure. the previous generation that was stay in your lane, stay in your space and do your job, mm -hmm. um, then there's not, there's no, there's no, um, paradigm for that. Right. Well, and it supports the mindset of a fixed mindset versus yeah. a growth mindset. Yeah. Yeah. And most companies that I read about that are very creative and innovative have a growth mindset, meaning your IQ does, it does not have to stagnate. That's right. However, it will if you don't continue to push yourself. And so even from a hiring standpoint, it's not just reskilling your workforce. It's when you hire someone looking for those individuals that you can tell have a growth mindset that are ready to you know, you don't want flighty. That's not what we're saying. No, you don't want flighty individuals that can't focus or are distracted, but you do want individuals that can get really good at their job and then start to look at, oh, well, there's a need we're going to need. Uh -huh. And I believe I can do it. Yep. And the way to replace myself is what if we, you know, if we, you know, signed up or subscribed to this software, it could do maybe 30% of what I do now. And that yep. frees me up to go over here. Well, even think about in the last episode, um, we were talking to Tuck, right? Mm -hmm. And he's, he's working with the product managers. And traditionally speaking, product managers would have kind of sat there and said, you do this, you do this, you do this. Here's a ticket. And it would have been like a paper ticket. And they wrote it out and they handed it to them. Now you've got tools like Jira or you've got tools like Asana or whatever, that or Slack, that allow you to asynchronously mm -hmm. put, put the resources out in front of people, distribute it all over the world and say, pick this up, read this. If you have questions, we have ways to communicate. We can get it done. Um, and, and what that does is it allows him literally to have a whole day where he can go pull his team a, a, a away and focus on how can we get better together, right? Mm -hmm. How can we do our craft better? Um, which traditionally it would have been like, no, your time is filled with doing. Mm -hmm. um, it is output over mm -hmm. an outcome. Um, in this article that you shared in the Deloitte one, they actually talked about Chipotle. Now, I don't know the context of Chipotle's what they call guild education. So that kind of what mm -hmm. made me, that's what made me think about the craft time. They mm -hmm. said that, uh, that uh, Chipotle employees who participate in guild education benefits program have a 90% higher retention rate. Right. Right. I mean, that's, people are worried about finding good people and keeping good people because of the quote unquote flight risk. I mean, our retention rate is extremely high at Crema, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, even though we've got technology that's replacing us all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, well, uh, Daniel Pink in his book, Drive, mentioned the three things that motivate people, mastery, autonomy, yeah. and purpose. 
and purpose mastery on and mastery and purpose. Yeah. Okay. And those two, uh, particularly mastery and, and, and purpose in my thinking, those, I think people are always wondering, okay, wh- what do I add? What do I add, add, add mm-hmm, to get people mm-hmm. to stay, you know, perks and don't get me wrong. Benefits and perks are a big deal and you need to wrestle with what's best for your organization. But if you can give them an environment where they're given the freedom to become a master and then you support them down the road with software to kind of help replace what they do so that they can go on and do something else within the organization, yeah. knowing where the organization is going. In my opinion, that's one of the best things you can do because you're constantly allowing them to uh, reinvent themselves. And again, it's not, you're not, you don't want a workforce of distracted people like, okay, I did this. I dabbled. Yeah, you don't want yeah, dabblers. Yeah. You want masters. Yeah. But you want to give those masters, you know, cause at some point they're gonna be like, Oh, I mastered this. What else does the organization What's next? need? And they're going to start looking around. Yeah. And it's an act of generosity to give them a pathway to do that. Uh-huh. And that's what we're talking about. This idea of digital generosity. It's, it is, it, it kind of sounds upside down a little it bit. It does. Um, yeah. But I think that's, what's kind of brilliant about it is, I mean, generosity to be clear is one of Crema's five core values, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we, we are passionate about this idea of what is generosity? How do we use our time, talent, and, um, treasure to, to help individuals and organizations thrive. Like, I mean, like to help people, right? Yep. Sometimes that's helping each other. Um, just to raise each other up, to encourage each other, to equip each other um, internally. And then it goes back to, I think her, her approach to these three, three different topics, but, and then sometimes it's, how do we help our community? How do we help, you know, other organizations and our clients? Um, And I think this is another way. It's kind of a unique spin on that, which is to say, actually, it's the thing that you're doing. It's the thing that you're building that will actually help your organization, your people be better. Um, right. And people are afraid of it. I know right. there are individuals who say my job security is based off of the fact I'm the one of very few people that know how to do this, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. if anybody else learns it or if we automate it out or if we replace it, I'm irrelevant. And that's right. scary. That's scary. It is. Yeah. So if you lead a software team out there, you're um, in leadership in a company and you're thinking about you know, the benefits of purchasing technology, whether to have it custom built or even a platform that's out there. Yeah. Um, I would challenge you in one of your pros and cons lists to ask that question. Like, what will this do for my, for my, my team? What will this do for the individuals that um, are in our organization, especially for those to where this software is going to, it might replace some of what they do. Yeah. You know, you might be quick to say, well, it's too expensive, or even if it's not too expensive, it might replace them, and I don't want to let go of that workforce. Well, maybe change your thinking a little bit. How will it help those individuals? Do you have the right individuals? Do you see individuals that if part of their job's replaced, what, what's two, three years down the road that you're going to be working on right. that you can move that workforce to the new? Uh-huh. What, what are those things they can start investigating, researching, creating, whether it's processes, you know, whether it's... Um, strategic plans, whatever that may be. Um, I would, I would challenge you to put that question into your pros and cons list. When we, when I was talking to Aaron Dignan, he, he talked about being in the room with leaders. And I think this is going to apply a lot to leaders first, because they're going to have to be comfortable with pressing into this and and Mm -hmm. implementing this. Um, he, he challenged them to sit down and say, even when it feels uncomfortable and you might not want to kind of let the thing happen, let buy the software, put it in place and see how 
what, see how the team reacts if they're creative. What you will find is you may find that people, there are certain people that don't adapt. And yep. maybe they were floating along all along and maybe they don't belong in your and Maybe they need to float away. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I, I think one of the yeah. quotes that, that Gabby has in her post here is giving someone busy work, quote or quote, busy work for the sake of keeping them employed only, res- only serves to undermine their potential and drain your profits. Yeah, it's not, um, it's a lose-lose for both. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think that, I think sitting in it and going, what, what's the worst could happen? What, or what, what would happen if we put this in place? Or what would happen if I gave my team autonomy to go be creative and not have to sit there and micromanage them? Because uh, a lot of this software, let's be honest, is going to replace the managers, mm-hmm. right? And so it will replace the person that maybe wants to have their finger on everything. And instead they now have to go, oh, this tool actually gives my team access and transparency and um, ability to, to work autonomously. Mm-hmm well, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. Then that manager has to get creative in a new way, not just the practitioner, the man, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm excited to see where companies go with this idea. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think I want to push more into this, this digital or this kind of idea of, um, digital generosity. Yeah. It's interesting. It, uh, so my last thought on the matter is that traditionally software, okay, we're going to create efficiencies because, you know, we may not need as big of a workforce. So we're going to reduce costs or whatever. Sure. That's, that is a way of thinking, but maybe flip that on its head and be like, well, we're not going to save on workforce costs because we're going to keep the workforce, but it's an investment because now they're thinking two, three years down the road and we're going to be faster. We're going to get to where the puck is already going faster because now we have people freed to think about those things. So it's, it's more of an opportunity, less of a cut, more of an investment into your organization because now you've got smart people thinking about new problems. And let's be honest, this podcast might be a little self-serving because this is what we do. Mm-hmm. Right? And we get to actually see that reality come to life. Um, right. Both the pros and the cons of it, right? Like the, yep. that, I, what I mean by con is like, the, it, it is hard to push into this mm-hmm. and, and, and it is uncomfortable and it means that there will be change. And I think that's the whole thing we're championing through this, po- this whole podcast is about being ready for change. And if you're not ready for change, then you, you are going to be left behind and yep. the world is going to move past you. And that right. that's going to be true both for your individuals, for each, the way your teams work and for your organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to challenge our listeners to say, push into the potential of change, invest into technology that's going to help to equip and be generous for your teams. So I'm, I'm I champion this idea, be generous digitally. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, we're going to keep this one short because I think this is a, this is a new topic. Um, we're mm-hmm. excited to unpack maybe a bit more as we move forward. But as always, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Option 5. If you haven't already, go check us out at crema.us slash podcast or slash Option 5. Uh, send us an email, option5 at crema.us. Subscribe anywhere that you want to, but you know. You have to go to iTunes if you want to leave us, mm-hmm. leave us a review. It's about the only place to get a good review. Uh, five stars goes a long way telling the world that we exist, even though it's kind of hard to find where to leave those five stars. Do the work. It really helps us out. And then you might be wondering, what do I do after I get five stars? Well, the next step is to share. Who are we going to share it with today, Daniel? Uh, usually we go neighbors and then yeah. loved ones and then yeah. loved ones and neighbors. Yeah, that was, that was last time. Yeah. Maybe we now share it with all of the people that are going to go to our high school reunion. Oh yeah. 
and their neighbors and loved ones. It's so it's a network. It's a compound. Uh, Dan, I have to remind you it's 2020. There are no high school reunions anymore. Um, sorry. Not even a little one. Not like mean, a, not like a, like that. Is it zoom, a zoom reunion? I guess yeah. probably is how that'll happen. Or you go to the high school reunion. Oh, we get custom printed masks mm-hmm. that say, listen to option five across the front of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then they wear those to their high school reunion and everybody right. just talks about it. And if you're listening, get yourself a mask and a Sharpie. Write that just exact write same thing. Uh, option five. Let it dry first because I did write on a mask recently with the Sharpie. It was it was quite strong of a smell yeah. for a while. Yeah. yeah, you could get a little buzz off that. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> should we should wrap it up. We should. All right, guys. I think See you should. next time. All right, cheers. Cheers.